0: Welcome to Behavior Fit Radio, where we talk health, fitness, and behavior analysis. I'm your host, Nick Green. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, I interview my buddy Brett Yaris, who is a. Uh... Uh, He's a a coach and a trainer, he works with kids with uh, developmental disabilities, but in today's episode we really get into how he coaches elite athletes, uh, offensive linemen specifically at the collegiate level, and he has a couple guys that are entering the draft this year and next year, so um, we get into a lot of how he uses applied behavior analysis um, and preparing the college athlete for uh, the professional level.
1: So I hope you enjoy.
0: Brett, how is it going my man?
1: It's going good, happy to be here
0: yeah it's um it's been a while since we last chatted um I remember we got we got hooked up, we got connected, I believe it was through did we get connected through we started networking through instagram, was that right we that did, right?
1: yeah
0: it feels so long ago since Instagram has changed so much in the past three years
1: I know, I know, but so um glad
0: yeah man it's uh so you are i mean on instagram you're you b x brett you're um Remind me again, are, were you studying to be a, a BCBA or have you already passed the exam or where are you at with that?
1: Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm through the, I'm through my coursework. Uh, i just finishing up my supervision and then set to take the exam.
0: Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. I remember when we first talked, you were just kind of starting that journey. So when are you planning to take that exam?
1: Um, quite honestly, I haven't really gotten that far yet. I want to finish up my supervision, as you know, from following <laughs> me on Instagram. You've seen how many directions life has taken me in the last yeah. uh, year or two. So truthfully, I mean, I started my coursework uh, probably about two and a half years ago. And I've had to take several breaks just as you know my company got off the ground, I became a father in that mm-hmm. time span. And so just trying to navigate, but finally back on track. And so as soon as my supervision's up, um, you know, completed, you know, I'll start to monitor when it makes sense from a time and commitment perspective to to sit.
0: No, that makes sense. Yeah. And so with that, your, um, your, your company, um, are you a coach, a personal trainer? Maybe you can just describe a little bit about what you do.
1: Yes. I, I, we like to go with the term coach. Um, to different differentiate a little bit from, you know, the current personal training industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you yeah, so, know, so currently uh, I'm CEO of a company called biokinetics, fitness technology. Mm-hmm. And um, what we do is we work with both individuals with special needs and disabilities cool. and elite athletes. And what we are is a physical education company versus mm-hmm. a personal training company. Ah, uh, I like that. Yeah, we're a physical education company that looks to um, prepare our students with active and fitness um, skills that they can take um, independently throughout the rest of their lifespan.
0: That's awesome, man. I think you know it's I think a lot of people are familiar with my research of just being active and not moving as much, that any type of skill development, whether it's at the kind of your coaching individually or if it's developing yeah, new habits and routines at home or in the workplace. I mean, that's just that's a win-win for everybody involved. So that's exciting, man. Congrats.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so now when you talk about elite athletes, I think that's going to be the bulk of our conversation. Who are these elite athletes that you're working with and uh, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, so um, like I said, the, we only work with two populations of, of learners. Mm-hmm. So it's either an individual with special needs, typically on the autism spectrum, but mm-hmm. cerebral palsy and Down syndrome as well. Yeah. But then when I say elite athletes, I'm talking about um, Division One college athletes who have aspirations and potential to be professional athletes or current professional athletes um, now. And so we've been very lucky, um, to work with those guys. And as you know, you know, as we utilize applied behavior analysis as our methodology Mm -hmm. and and our technology, um, that allows us to seamlessly use our, our whole program, whether we're working with the one population of individual special needs or we're working with elite athletes, Mm -hmm. our approach is exactly the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if you're working with, um, division one athletes, I mean, you have to have some type of football or athletic experience. So how did you, um, how did you get into just working with division one athletes?
1: Yeah. So, so simultaneously through the early part of my teaching career, um, I was also a former college football, recruit. um, and then after injury, unfortunately, I was forced to go in re- directly into coaching. Mm-hmm. And so I was very fortunate enough to be a coaching intern and a coaching student, um, if you will, under uh, some of the great coaches in professional football. Um, Paul Pasqualoni being one of them. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with um, one of the legends in college in um, football coaching in the state of Connecticut. His name is uh, Lou Marinelli. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to learn from these guys and be able to coach these guys. And then through that experience, mm-hmm. I was able to meet some athletes who were in need of my new approach to how we train athletes uh, to be better on the field.
0: Yeah. So how do you, you know, if you're going in, so you got, you had the experience, you have the street cred, you have the football knowledge, you were a division one football player yourself. So if you are coming in to like help a, a program and you're saying, hey, coach, I like what you're doing, but I could do this better. Like, how do you kind of pitch that, so to speak, to to introduce ABA to Division one football players?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think the first thing you need to do is understand what the current um, environment is, right, for mm-hmm. college athletics and for professional athletics. And, yeah. and what I mean by that, you need to understand what the coaches are already doing mm-hmm. and, and understand that coaches are very territorial, right? Mm. Go in there and say, "Hey, I can do this better than you." And this yeah. guy has been for thirty years, yeah. and and so my approach simply was to acknowledge, um, "Hey, you guys have a strength and conditioning program. You have mm-hmm. strength and conditioning coaches. You have position coaches who are teaching these athletes um, how to operate within a X's and O's scheme mm-hmm. to execute." on. What you don't have is somebody who is specifically working on technique with these guys, Ah. Um, specifically targeting their movement patterns in a way in which they can become more efficient on the football field. Mm. And so that is what I basically went in and said, specifically that niche is what I can help your athletes with.
0: Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I have a couple, couple different thoughts here with, um, my buddy, Coach Polly Gloves, he was on an earlier episode, and we talked about boxing and MMA. And um, he was just describing, like I like what you said about understanding how the environment um, is currently set up. So you have coaches there that you know, for you know, for Paulie's expertise, and I, I know I could probably speak for him here. That um, there's a lot of great boxing coaches that know you know know what they're doing. A lot of good striking coaches, but um, it's kind of like this is the way we've been doing things. And um, yeah, you don't want to go in and say, hey, you're doing this wrong. Clearly, they've had success, but what is it, what are the nuances in there that you could teach in, you know, specifically with, you know, striking and, uh, or if it's uh, teaching an offensive lineman how to come out of his stance properly or something, it's like teaching that technique um, is, uh, it takes an additional layer of analysis, I think. And then also just um, uh, when I was at Florida Tech getting my master's degree, we had the opportunity to go observe, I think they're, they're not division one or two, they're what are what are the, what are the d- different divisions double double 1a league does that sound right i, think,
1: I do believe it's 1aa yeah
0: 1aa okay either way so just observing that practice there um the athletes during football season so we 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 had the opportunity to come observe and we were hearing that a lot of football players were getting dehydrated and so we looked at that but just overall just observing the system that is college football practice like there's just You know, you have two hours and it's 15-minute stations and it's all scheduled and people are hustling that just from what I saw, that one observation, not picking on Florida Tech, that, like, there wasn't a lot of individualized instruction going on. It's like defense goes here, you do these drills, offense over here, special teams over there, and it's a a well-oiled machine that um, is, you know, it definitely uh, lacks the individual, you know, time there.
1: Right. I mean, if you look at, at, again, we just talk about environment, right, the, the college coaches are, are conditioned to maximize time efficiency versus individualized player attention,
0: ah, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. And, so, what, what, and, I, and I coach, right? So I understand what goes into coming up with a practice plan, right? And, and the way yeah. you design practice plan is based on different time slots. And the second the buzzer goes off to yeah. end one period, you are immediately migrating to the next to maximize the amount of time you have. And often what that means is yeah. certainly, or probably the vast majority of your players are not getting perhaps the individualized attention, um, that they need. You got to remember a college roster, a typical college roster has anywhere from 70 to 90 players on it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember in football, only 22 see the field at one time, 11 from one team. Right. So a roster of 70 to 90 people and you have 11 guys who get on the field at once, it stands to reason that once you go into a limited amount of time for practice, only specific people are going to get a lot of the reps or a lot of the opportunity to improve themselves. Mm-hmm. And what college coaches really want is the ability to have what we call depth. Whereas let's say one of those top 11 players goes down, yeah. is that suitable replacement to come in where the level of play doesn't drop off significantly? Mm-hmm. And so, part of the pitch to the coaches and say hey look we can work with some of the guys who aren't getting the individualized attention that maybe they need this way when their number is called they'll be ready.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That just kind of makes me think of um I think it was one of Malcolm Gladwell's books, Outliers. You ever read any of his his
1: work? I have yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so it's like he he gives the example of um just the hockey players that are born during March. They just are in the they're in the environmental selection pressure slot that you're going to get the most reps you're going to be physically bigger and so that that idea just kind of made me think of even at you know all different levels of college football division one to two-way like we're just talking about like if you have that varsity team on the field getting all the reps all the time they're going to get the most individual attention and then yeah I think what you're talking about is depth and teaching getting the extra individual trials for the the second and third stringers
1: huge huge issue there. Yeah, and then the other approach really is to help coaches understand what movement patterns actually are, right? When mm-hmm. you, when you go into a college football environment you start trying to talk about behavior, the, you know coaches start thinking, oh my god, what did this kid do off the field? Did he hurt oh, somebody? Oh, interesting, yeah. And and you have to kind of, you know, h- help them catch their breath a little bit. And and my approach and my pitch to them has always been, "Hey, listen, you know if we can agree that a behavior or behaviors are are things that all organisms do right anything that we do that we respond is considered a behavior yeah. um the thing that we do more than move mm-hmm. so my approach to them is to say hey look we look at movement patterns as behaviors mm-hmm. and we can condition those patterns to become more efficient and more effective for the environment that we're placing these players into. One of the examples that I always go to is uh, Tim Tebow, which anyone, yeah. uh, at least Florida, but definitely yeah. the whole club is familiar with. Um, one of the knocks on him when he became a professional football player coming out of college was his arm motion in his throwing delivery was really poor for the pro level. Mm-hmm. And so what he did was he worked with what's called a quarterback coach guru. Um, <laughs> the, guru is a technical term, correct? As, of course, scientific term. Um, mm-hmm. And he took, I think I think the reported number was 12,000 reps, um, doing the throwing motion the correct way, the efficient way. Yeah. The problem was the, the coach he was working with didn't set the environment up in a way that would be similar to the environment would face on the field so after he takes his twelve thousand reps um in the off season he then gets placed into a game Mm -hmm. and the second snap to him he immediately reverts to his old movement behavior Mm -hmm. and thus didn't last long he's now currently in the new york mets baseball organization
0: (laughs) but he loves baseball (laughs) yeah Yeah. so So, uh, so yeah so we might describe that as a you know maybe his his uh his new pro level movement throwing pattern did not generalize to an actual live game scenario
1: yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the way um the coaches who are currently in this field that we're we're trying to disrupt with behavior science um mm-hmm. the The coaches in this field aren't doing a good enough job in replicating the environments these guys are going to be in. Right. Mm -hmm. So what you've done is you've taught him how to have a correct throwing motion in that specific environment where there's no one trying to take his head off, where there's have to worry about routes and the playbook and and adjustments Mm. and defense. He just has to worry about his throwing motion with him and this other coach. Whereas he gets back into the environment where he's lined up across from five or six two hundred and eighty pound guys who are trying to kill him, Mm -hmm. and Automatically, he reverts to the last time he was in that environment. And then yeah, old flawed throwing motion, and so our pitch to coaches is said, "Hey, look, we can replicate the environment. We can help pattern become a part of their behavioral profile. This way, when the bullets are real and the action mm-hmm. is live, um, that will be their new go-to in those situations. And we've had some pretty good success with that."
0: Yeah. Okay. So if we're if we're gonna go with the tim tebow example and if you were his coach and you had the opportunity to, to fix everything okay you you know we observe him in environment a on the turf and air conditioning with no nobody coming after him he can do the motion there so are you suggesting that then you have some type of semi you know semi uh, intense you know rush defense coming after him um and like how do you like how would you teach that like in the moment do you blow a whistle and stop him like if he begins the movement better wrong or do you correct it you know immediately or how like how do you simulate that to generalize
1: yeah so well so let me break that into two parts right so the first part is how do we simulate that that live action environment and so yes i would have two or three other people there in a session and and for me this hasn't been too hard because there are tons of high school kids who are out there who would love the opportunity to come in and work <laughs> to run after Tim Tebow <laughs> and we'll use Tim Tebow specifically, but yeah. any that I've worked with, um, mm-hmm. I've had no shortage or no issue of trying to find volunteers. And yeah, what you want to do is while he's working with his throwing motion, you want to send people running right past him, right? Obviously we're okay. not going to, okay. Because if we, if we break it down specifically being hit, while throwing correctly is not really a part of the behavioral profile. The vast throws that are made in our game, he's not going to be getting hit. Um, We know that just film watching and everything else. So what you want to do is simulate the pressure. And so you're going to be running bodies at him, having him maintain the correct throwing motion. And so to the second part of what you brought up is how do we um, make sure we're shaping the movement pattern correctly without reinforcing the old, uh, pattern And so, right. yes, I, sort of uh, for me, I like to use some sort of an acoustic device, whether it be a clicker, whether it yeah. be a whistle, um, anything like that, where the second the movement pattern enters into the the error range, we are going to blow the play dead and not allow the motion to continue. Mm, um, OK, And so what he then what the athlete then becomes conditioned to is understanding that. I as long as I don't hear that acoustic sound everything. Right. Yeah. I like to use the whistle because in football, in the game, a whistle is what blows the play dead. That's ah, what I want. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so I like to use the whistle because again, that's that's more part of creating um, a more similar environment that they're going to be in. And so, yeah, once the um, the the movement pattern enters into that flawed area, we're going to blow the play dead immediately and not allow it to continue. Hmm. And so, and be conditioned to understand is okay if I hear nothing as I'm going through this. I'm, I'm doing it correctly. And that works not just for a a quarterback, but, um, if you take an offensive lineman and and most of my clientele have been on the line, whether it be an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. Um, and we approach it the exact same way. If we are working on an offensive tackle, um, getting out of their stance correctly Mm -hmm. to be popping up vertically, we want them to just get backwards. Mm -hmm. Um, I will sit there on the line. I'll have somebody as a, as a, as a defensive opponent, um, rushing them. Mm-hmm. And the second I see a flawed pattern, okay. I'll blow the play dead. Mm-hmm. I'll allow it to continue. Now, sometimes, okay. Sometimes just an acoustic prompt, um, isn't effective because sometimes the pattern is so fast that as an observer, we could miss the window, right. To blow yeah. it dead. Yeah. So what I done for some of these guys in this particular instance in in helping an offensive lineman stop getting vertical out of his stance is I've created a, I've set up a tool where there's a bar going over his shoulder while he's set in his stance. Okay. And once the play goes, if he pops up and hits the bar, he knows he has to stop immediately. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Without hitting the bar, he continues on with the rep. And then I'll set a criteria like I would if I was working in a school, right? The criteria, Mm -hmm. you have to take 10 reps um, um, correctly consecutively, Mm -hmm. and then we get to the next area of what we want to work on. If you get to rep nine and hit the bar, we're going back to zero. Right.
0: And I think that makes sense because if having such a strict criteria, because if you have ten plays on the field and, the ninth, you know, and you screw up play number nine and that's a third and nine and you need more pressure, I'm just kind of guessing here with coaching and you know, being a fan of football, and you screw up, like, you, you, you need zero. You can't have any errors because that, that's a, that could be a potential first down or a sack or something.
1: Yeah, so you hit the nail on the head. Football is a sport where one play at any point in the game can change the outcome. Okay, we saw that in the playoffs, right? When I think you did an excellent podcast on it when uh, the referee missed that call in the Saints scheme. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> change the outcome. Right. So everyone involved in a in a football game, if they make one error, it can change the outcome of the game. And so yeah, you obviously when you're working with, with learners or you're working with students regardless of ability, you always want to be mindful that you're not setting an unrealistic criteria for them to reach you don't want mm-hmm. to set people for failure um but in this instance excuse me in this instance um because the stakes are so high in the environment that they're going to go behave in um we want to make sure that we are setting up a criteria that is similar to that environment and so you have to be strict when you're working with these football players because mm-hmm. their environment.
0: yeah so i think uh yeah, I mean, having such a strict criteria because it's, you know, it's it's a win or a loss. It's a touchdown, Yeah, play going to the Super Bowl or not. Um, so, you know, getting back to the analysis here, so is that kind of uh, taking data um, on, like, your criteria and everything? Is that, uh, like, if you're working with an offensive lineman, you're going to take data on, like, perfect reps or something like that? Is that what you kind of look at? Um,
1: yeah, so the first thing we'll do is we'll, we'll operationally define the behavior that we want to see. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this way we can always make sure that what we're targeting is exactly what we're, uh, what it is that we're trying to analyze versus trying to just blindly say, Hey, this looks good. So we're going to go with it. So first thing we yeah. want to do is operationally define what it is we're looking for. And so in this instance, with an offensive lineman, we're going to operationally define it and say, anytime he gets out of his stance um, horizontally uh-huh. at Meets the criteria, regardless of anything else. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're targeting him not getting vertical, which means we're not working on his footwork right now. We're not working on his hands. We're simply working on him not getting vertical. And so the definition is when he gets out of his stance horizontally, he meets the criteria. And then yes, the data that that's collected off of that is okay. Let's say we have the criteria is so he has to do 10 consecutive trials before we can move on. Um, we're going to keep a track record. We're going to keep data on how many trials he was successful. And if it's not, mm-hmm. we go back to the drawing board and then that yeah. also, uh, an historical record to go back and look at, uh, potentially how long it took him to take, uh, to, to take to the intervention that we've put in place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, and it seems like with such, uh, there's so many different movement patterns and angles that uh, linemen and everybody else, like you, you have to do so many different things that you can really probably in their target maybe like three to five things because that just takes a lot of work because you're doing, those are your reps, right? You're doing 10 reps of getting out of a stance and 10 reps of something else.
1: Yeah, so it, that's exactly right. What you, what we, what I always tell the offensive linemen is whatever we're working on, that's the only thing I want you to be thinking about. I'm working on you getting out of your stance and you're worried about your footwork. um, That's not going to be helpful. And so what we want to do is make sure we're targeting one thing at a time, one behavior at a time. So first it's getting out of your stance behavior. Once that's mastered, we can move on to footwork behavior. Once that's mastered, we can go to handwork behavior and Mm -hmm and so on and so forth and what you want to do is you want to work and it's kind of like a chaining process right you want to work with the most fundamental basic part of the behavior and then as that gets mastered um gradually increase the difficulty of what it is that you're doing
0: yeah yeah that's um that's awesome man it's 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 just kind of neat how you can just break something down you know, call it a movement pattern, which is, which makes sense for coaches. And um, it sounds like you've primarily worked with linemen. Have you worked with any other uh,
1: position players? I I have had some quarterbacks. Um, I've had some quarterbacks. I've had offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Um, Mm -hmm. and And the reason is those are the positions where technique Really is the difference between a win and a loss. You'll see these really hyper-skilled athletes, uh, skill position players, whether it be wide receivers or defensive backs, running backs where supreme they can get away with sloppy technique. <laughs> Pro level, you know. We've seen some guys. I can give you an example of a professional wide receiver who, who uh, Ted Ginn Jr., who's a Saint, mm-hmm. right? he. <laughs> He's never been the number one elite receiver on a team because he isn't that technically sound. He doesn't have a, a, a wide range of skill set. However, he's carved out a nice little 13-year career in the NFL, right? Yeah. Um, whereas a lineman, if you can't get your technique down and you can't block anybody because of it, you're going to be out of the league in one year. And yeah. so, positions where. The the real nuances of technique and movement patterns are extremely extremely important.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think um, that could be a good segue to um, we we'll switch gears a little bit. So, working with linemen, I believe. Did you have a couple of your a couple of your guys that you work with um, enter the NFL entering the NFL draft this year, and you went to the combine.
1: Yeah. So I had an awesome time in Indianapolis at the NFL scouting combine. I have mm-hmm. one uh, defensive end who is going to be, uh, in the draft this year. His name is cool. ben out of, uh, TCU, Texas Christian university. Um, and then next year I have an offensive tackle also out of, uh, TCU, um, Lucas Niang, who, mm-hmm. who will be going into the draft next year. Um, he cool. will- go into the draft this year the NFL advisory board gave him a third round grade however he wants to he's committed to being a first round pick so he's going back to finish his senior year and uh to continue improving and then uh hopefully he'll be a first round pick next year so the next two years are very big for me for sure that's
0: exciting man so the first guy um did he was he given an invitation to the combine
1: he was yeah he was there
0: wow man how awesome is that seeing your seeing your boy on the field
1: it's pretty crazy you know it's it's something that um you know a couple of years ago not something that i ever thought would be a part of what i'm doing for a living mm-hmm. uh, you know i started my career as a special ed teacher and a behavior consultant and yeah. um it wasn't until i started my company where i began to fuse athletics and, and athletic skills mm-hmm. um behavior analysis where this became a possibility and then it's sort of like like wildfire whereas all you need to do is is show success and results with one guy to a high level yeah. and then because all these guys are looking for that competitive edge that, that, that that's can it set man up. that's
0: awesome so is that how you started working with the second guy at uh tcu that's entering the draft next year
1: it was actually reversed i had lucas oh. <laughs> first uh, yeah, it, cool. it's interesting. i had lucas first um he's actually the the test case for this because when he was a high school senior um he was and he had committed to tcu they were going to redshirt him or make him sit for a year before he could play because of how raw he was as a technician he didn't really ah. have technical skills and so in the off season, between his senior year of high school and his freshman year of college, we really hammered technique and started to really work on it. And by the time he, he reported for his freshman training camp, um, he had improved so much that they didn't they didn't have to redshirt him. And he ended up playing in the bowl game that year for TCU. That's amazing. Yeah. And so then from there, we just, every off season and we've targeted specific things that we want to focus on and work on specific behaviors. So that first year it was simply just getting into a stance, you know, that's mm-hmm. how Ryan was. the second year it was working on getting out of a stance. And then this year, the focus really has been footwork and handwork and uh, pro football focus, uh, which is a website dedicated to grading every single college and professional player um pro football focus rated lucas as the the number 10 overall tackle in the country wow which includes tackles who are getting drafted this year and next year so even the guys who are getting drafted this year lucas finished ahead of most of them so
0: that's awesome really cool. man that, that's a that's an exciting resume booster and testament to the, the work that you guys have been putting in that's that's incredible. Congratulations.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I also want to point out, too, that the reason we decided we were only going to work with elite athletes or athletes with aspirations to be pro or high division one is because it does take a huge work commitment. It takes mm-hmm. an effort commitment from the from the learner, right? Yeah. You know, whereas when we're working with our other population, uh, the individuals with special needs, what we're doing with them is we're, we're setting up in, independent fitness programs for them mm-hmm. to learn take and add to their repertoire so that when they're in their thirties, they're not sedentary. And and so there the effort is worth what we're putting in because it's an extremely important life skill for these guys. Whereas with the elite athletes, if they're not willing to work, it doesn't matter how hard we try, right? They have to be able to put the effort in. And the cool thing about Lucas and about Ben and about any of the other guys we work is the second they're off from school, I get a phone call. Hey, let's get some work in. Right. Yeah. That's great. I get a phone call on the 4th of July. He, he, you know, Lucas flies in from Texas. I get a text. Hey, my plane just landed. Can you, can you meet me at the high school field? And that's the kind of guys you want to work with. And those are the kind of guys where this type of program will be successful because they're mm-hmm. willing to put work into. So that's a testament to them.
0: Yeah, no, that's exciting, man. Um, so when you went to the combine, did you represent uh, kind of like uh your 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 guys as um just as the coach or were you there with a different organization like with your own or like who did you represent when you were in Indianapolis this past month?
1: Yeah, it was cool. I got to kind of have dual roles while I was there. So I was there representing biokinetics, but I was also there representing a second company that I've gotten involved with, which is Pro Football Network. Um okay. you can go to their website, profootballnetwork.com or PFN365.com mm-hmm. and um, this is a, an NFL media startup company that works on different podcasts and written content um, about all things professional football. And what I do for them is I'm actually their director of analytics. Cool. And so what I do is, and I do this on my spare time anyway because I'm a football addict. Hey.
0: Yeah, and, um, yeah I, I, I see you tweeting all the time about the Dolphins and how.
1: Oh, man, things are going wrong. <laughs> that's, that's life as a Dolphins fan. So many <laughs> should be our tagline, but yeah. So I, I think, um, what's been cool for that is what they've given me the freedom to do is create a whole new brand of metrics and analytics to define NFL players. And so one of those is what we, what I'm calling behavior analytics that's and great. What we're doing is we're looking at current professional players and we're coming up with ways in which we can define how successful they are based on their individual behavior. Mm. So, When you look at current statistics judging NFL players out there today, you usually hear about passing yards and receiving yards and touchdowns and, and interceptions and things like that. But one of the things that if you're, if you look at things in a behavior analytic way, you'll notice that all of those statistics are actually statistics dependent on at least two people to achieve. So if Tom Brady throws a pass seven yards down the field and Rob Gronkowski catches it and then takes it another 25 yards down the field, Tom Brady's going to get credit for a 32 yard pass. In reality, he really only contributed seven yards to that pass. Interesting. Yeah. Right. And so uh, let's take it a step further. Gronkowski catches that ball, takes a 25 yards and he takes it 25 yards into the end zone. So now not only is Tom Brady getting credited with a 32 yard pass, but he's getting credited with a 32 yard touchdown pass. And all of these things go into how we look at players um, in in the overall narrative uh, of the NFL. And so what I'm helping pro football network to do is come up with ways in which we can define a player's contribution to the field based on his individual behavior, based on the, he has control over.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the big thing I'm thinking of here is that um, all of these, if we're looking at, this is kind of my organizational behavior management, my OBM side talking, <clears throat> talking here, excuse me, is that the yards, the touchdowns, the reception, those are outcomes of behavior. Like it's not the behavior itself. It's um, having a, you know, we don't see stats on how many correct throwing patterns Tom Brady had. Maybe it's a hundred percent. That would be a grade, you know? Um, I think we see uh, dropped passes for receivers. Like that's a, that's a behavior that's measured. Um, But yeah, like the yards and everything, we don't know if how you got there. You could have, I know you, you, you talked about, um, a couple of years ago of how that one Dolphins running back had really bad knees form and everything. Jay Ajayi, is that right?
1: Yeah. Jay Ajayi, um, is someone that I did a whole profile on, because if you looked at his movement patterns, you could see that, a he was very inefficient as a runner because there was only certain things he could do based on his gait. Um, and then you could also see he was susceptible to injury and yeah. then um, what ended up happening, unfortunately, you never want to see this, is he did end up tearing his ACL while his knee was in an awkward position um, and his effectiveness ultimately dropped. And unfortunately, he's currently a free agent um, without a team and hasn't gotten any offers. So these yeah. are things that, that coaches and scouts um, were hoping with these new behavior analytics and, and movement patterns is these are things that scouts can now be able to look at and, and be able to put together a better overall
0: team. Yeah, and I'm just thinking here I, I brought up that example because, you know, when you, you did an analysis and it's it's your example there. But um, you know, it's like you have a twenty year touchdown run, but you don't know did the person just sprint and was untouched? Did the person do backflips to get a touchdown? Did they um run with really bad form? And I think, you know, what you're introducing here as far as having efficient movement patterns, if you take that individual athlete and give them the skills to safely (laughs) evade tacklers and get to the end zone, then that's going to be a score that, that, that you're, however you described it, that your behavior analytics there, that, that can show, you know, the efficiency of an athlete and scorecards and everything. And maybe you look at, um, uh, yeah, how to grade these free agents to get them to get them a job. But, um, yeah, man, that's awesome. So, I know you have to run. We've already talked about um, a lot of different things here, but um, if you just want to share with people, where can they find you? Um, maybe share like what uh, exciting projects, things coming up and other drafts coming on, anything you want to close with, feel free to, uh, to use this time now.
1: Yeah. So please guys uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore PFN underscore BX And follow me on Instagram at BXBrett. And then I encourage everyone to go check out um, ProFootballNetwork.com and see all the cool things that are going on there. And one of the things I I also want to kind of plug here while I'm here is we have come up with one of our own uh, metrics using behavior analytics so far. Share metric. Metric that offensive players contribution to his own offenses um, production. And so that's a cool thing to go check out and, and kind of see how it stacks up with some of the other metrics that are out there. And then as always, guys, please, you know, follow me on Instagram and look at some of the work I'm doing with some of the other uh, learners that I work with. A lot of the guys with special needs, they might not be going to the NFL draft next year, but they are making huge gains in their lives and their lifestyles. and, And there should be more work, going into that as well and nick thank you so much for having me man
0: really yeah you're welcome man. i i think um we, we have so much to kind of cover in depth more and i you know we'll probably talk more while the draft happens but uh yeah thanks for coming on i think this is a huge area that we can influence and you're already doing some groundbreaking work there so congrats and um we'll talk
1: again soon thanks buddy can't wait to be back all right see ya. Bye. bye